Clinker Factor, the Cement Industry Podcast. So welcome everyone to the Clinker Factor Podcast. I'm Ian Riley, CEO of the World Cement Association. And today I'm talking to Thomas Schultz, Group CEO at F.L. Schmidt. So welcome, Thomas. Could I start by asking you to give us a brief introduction to your background and how you got involved in the cement industry? Yeah, I'm actually a mining engineer uh, by education, but I'm in the construction and mining industry since uh, 1986, so quite a while. And um, construction, of course, a big part of that is the cement industry. So I'm actually quite aligned to the cement industry for several decades. So uh, F.L. Schmidt has been quite uh, ahead of the game in talking about the climate challenge facing the cement industry. And we've seen a, a lot of commitments recently after the New York uh, Climate Week, but I think F.L. Schmidt was uh, a year ahead of that. You, you uh, set out your mission zero a year ago. And, and one, of the, uh, one of the statements you have in this uh, mission zero is that you say uh, using today's technology and your R&D pipeline, we already know how to mitigate 70% of uh, the emissions from cement, uh, cement manufacture. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. At first, the mission zero is our ambition to offer technology into the cement industry, which enables our customers, the cement producers, to produce cement with a zero emission in the year 2030. And the ambition is to be done with technology. This is very important. We see technology as the key, and we are a technology provider for more than a, or for close to 140 years in the world cement industry. We act all over the world. This technology key to sort out and to improve sustainability demands that a lot of different groups, not only the cement industry to make that clear and all the suppliers into it, like companies like us, like Eiffel Schmidt, uh, do their thing. It is important that the society is used to that too. I have to say it like that, the, it will bring um, higher cost for green cement than regular cement as it is today. So end customers have to look into it. Politicians have to look into it. So when we see today's pipeline and what we do and what not only we as a technology provider can offer, and we calculate that as engineers back, if everyone, which is a pure theoretical figure, if everyone would immediately from day one now tomorrow install that new technology, it could have an effect up to minus 70% emissions. Okay, so I think that when we look at the challenge for the cement industry, uh, we've tended to look at it in um, the sense that we have levers we can pull today, you know, and, and we've been pulling them for years, of course. So we have levers such as fuel efficiency and uh, energy efficiency, uh, AFR, uh, use of uh, lower, lower carbon fuels, um, and uh, reduction in the clinker factor. So these three levers have been the levers that the cement industry has pulled so far. And it, it looks to me as if there's still quite a lot of um, space to continue to improve using those traditional levers. Uh, but they don't take us down to zero. And obviously we need to develop new technologies in the next few years that will allow us to go down to zero. I, I wonder, you're a, a technology provider What's your view about where those new technologies might come from? The new technologies come mainly out of the cement industry themselves. They have to put the demand 
the demand is a business case where people can earn money. You will see more interest from universities. You will see more interest from non-cement technology companies going into cement to offer new technologies and new way of working. We already today, we lined up with a lot of universities and so-called brain pools. These are smaller startups where we participate direct or indirect um, to talk with these very highly agile, intelligent, uh, from outside in thinking younger people normally, offering us new technologies. And you can say you get maybe 10, 20 offered and one maybe really makes it, but we need that kind of teasing from outside to come into new technologies. A pure upgrading, in a pure upgrading of that what we have today will never ever bring us to zero emission. I, I think there is still some mileage in, in upgrading what we have today. If, if we look at the average fuel efficiency uh, and uh, power efficiency uh, as reported in the CSI's GNR database and compare that with best practice for a new plant today, there's quite a gap, you know, maybe 20% on fuel and, and more than that on power. Uh, and then we have uh, waste heat power generation, which you know, still has relatively low penetration outside, uh, outside China. Uh, and AFR, of course, in, in Europe, AFR is used very extensively, but when you look at the developing world where 90% of cement production is, you know, AFR is, is quite low in, in most places. So there's, there's quite a bit of, of um, space, I think, with the existing levers. And maybe one of the most interesting ones, and I know you've been involved in this too, is um, LC3 and the use of, of metacaolins. Uh, so is this a technology that you see some potential in? It's one of the technologies. There is not one silver bullet for uh, sorting out all the emission issues. Um, why I'm saying that is, um, of course, cement is a resource industry, as you know very well. You need a resource, you need a deposit of a material, what you can make cement out of it. It could be primary resource, like limestone is a primary resource, clay is a primary resource, or you can use secondary or tertiary resources out of uh, steel plants, alumina plants, uh, any other garbage material, what we can use to produce or to use to make energy for the cement um, process. So by, by saying that there is not one technology, there is not one area alone which will bring us to the uh, to the target. And that is actually the biggest challenge, I guess, and we guess for our whole industry, not only for us as a technology provider, the variation of areas you have to work on to get mission to zero is significant bigger and larger than we had it in the cement industry in the last more than 100 years. That means we need ambition in the industry. And I highly appreciate the ambition what we have in the cement industry with the 2015 target, for example, we need different education, different R&D development, different direction set. And of course, we need a different social framework around us, around the cement industry to, to work with all these different um, areas we have to look into. So you're operating around the world. I think when it comes to, for example, AFR usage and, and also usage of cementitious materials, there's quite a, a big regional variation. Uh, do you see potential for regions to learn from each other and, and improve the overall standard? Oh, yes. 
And there are actually two main bodies for doing that. One is out of the technology and business, like suppliers like us, being advanced in technology and offering that all over the world. For us, it doesn't matter where a salmon customer sits, in which country, what the cultural background, what the language is. The technology, what we provide, is that what we see for that side the best. And the other body is, of course, associations as you represent, where you are benchmarking within your group the ones um, producing with less CO2, for example, than the others. Uh, today, we benchmark on yeah, productivity. Uh, what is the cost per ton? What is the output? What is the, the volume, the tonnage, and so on, the downtime? In the future, it will be about NOx, SOx, CO2, and so on. And um, it will be not a big, as I said, um, it's not a moral, ethical thing. It's actually a technology issue. What we see today in tonnage produced per day or per hour, we will see tomorrow CO2 produced per day and hour and in tonnage and so on. And that will be a KPI, that will be a regulation to improve the situation. Yes, exactly as you say, we started a, a benchmarking project, multi-company benchmarking project in September. And exactly as you said, all of those, those variables on various emissions, CO2, NOx and so forth, all included for, for exactly the reasons you say that the industry is focusing on not only productivity, you know, tons per man and so forth, it's uh, also on uh, emissions and the environmental impact. I can give, I can give an example out of, um, take a cement mill and um, of course quite an energy you need to, um, you, uh, to operate a cement mill. Uh, when we go out and we tell then customers, this is the, the grinding efficiency, this is the energy efficiency of that new gearbox, for example, in the future, it is, this is what you produce less CO2. Before it was, this is what you produce more with the same energy or less energy for less production and so on. In the future, it's all the CO2. And that is, of course, then for customers, an indicator, is that a good technology or not? If you look at the current situation and the impact that COVID's had on, on the industry, outside China, I suppose, on average, we've seen 15 or 20% uh, uh, downturn this year. Uh, but certainly in some places, there's going to be a struggle with cash flow for a while. And, and uh, as a provider of, of capital equipment, is, is that something that you're concerned about at the moment? Yeah, not concerned, but uh, we know how the market reacts. And we know that our customers, they have to earn money each day. That's clear, and that is that is difficult in the in the pandemic uh, situation. But what we see around the world is quite an intelligence, quite a yeah, good setup of our customers um, to do everything that they can survive through that um, yeah the worst time these months of the worst time with uh, travel restrictions and so on. Business will come back. This pandemic will not go on forever in a way as we saw it in May and in um, June. And you see now, like here in Europe, a second wave goes over Europe and the reaction of the governments is not as harsh as it was at the beginning of the year, which is then not impacting the business so traumatic. Um, on the other side, um, we are more coming from the situation that, um, yeah, how to say, we have to see the positive too. The pandemic in itself is a very, very negative event, but there are some areas where we can work with the results, digitalization, got a significant boost. And digitalization is the base, is the environment for mission zero. If you analog 
setups will not provide cement plants with no emissions. You need high tech, you need digitalization. So that's a positive. The other thing is a lot of customers are the same as their, uh, their customers, the end customers of cement, more sensitive on sustainability. It will support the ones who already do a lot and it gives the whole sustainability in cement a kind of a speed. Yes, it's a negative event, but there's always something positive in it. And these, from our point of view, are the two positives. I think perhaps one other positive is that it's emphasized our reliance on nature. And I think that there's an enhanced sensitivity to uh, the need for action on climate change. And that also will drive innovation and development in the, in the cement industry, as we, we discussed before. So perhaps we'll see some pause because of the cash flow issues. But I think if you take just a medium term, it could be quite positive for the speed of uh, action with respect to climate change. Definitely. When you look into, um, the, I make it like that, the cement industry is um, following a little bit um, the automotive industry. Automotive is quite ahead of a lot of other industries. When you look into what happened in the last three, four years regarding electrical uh, mobility, uh, a lot of people talk about different brands, no matter if it's Tesla, Volkswagen, Toyota, and so on. But in reality, the end customers are driving it because there's more demand from, from people like you and me buying electrical cars. If that would be not there, we would not talk that. It would be not, would be not on the list. So if we transfer that, if we mirror that into the cement industry, important is that the end customers have a wish and a willingness to use green cement. And that, of course, uh, we do um, with the little what we can contribute by marketing Mission Zero to highlight there is more than the electrical car. You actually can build already today your house with concrete, which is more CO2 friendly or less CO2 uh, production than with regular cement, if you want to have it. And as more people jump on it, as more people would like to have it, as more demand is there, as more technology gets de uh, developed, and implemented and as fast as we come to the mission zero. Yeah, I think that also takes us back to the role of governments in creating the right incentives. I think in Sweden, you have a quite a price premium for green concrete, but in most other markets, there's no premium at all. And I was talking to somebody recently who'd been bidding on the HS2 contract here in the UK, and they said HS2 requires green concrete, but the price is the same as for regular concrete. <laughs> So, you know, that's not really pushing things forward. The governments need to take the opportunity to, to put in place incentives that drive the industry in the right direction. I think what we can do as a cement industry is to use all the contacts, what we have, especially to local politicians and talking with them through what does it mean? We can do the regular one, we can do the green one. What is the difference? And it's not only higher cost, it creates more high tech, it creates more interest, it creates more jobs, it creates a lot of more positive than only the sustainability effect in it. And we have to get better to communicate that. And when we as a supplier, as a technology provider recognize that, we said we have to come out to, to give a real boost, a real push. And that was not only to, to our end customers and the societies, was actually to our own people too. 
when my own colleagues ask me, what is the difference between, uh, let us say, five years ago and now? Yeah, the difference is that we still work on more energy efficient gearbox, for example. But today we can name it. What is the CO2 advantage we calculate out of an installation with that new gearbox? And that is what you guys have to focus on. We have a lot of little things. I'm a strong believer in very simple activities normally bring great results. We as a company have very ambitious targets to be sustainable too. Yes, we are not making that big footprint in the CO2 as a company, but it sets an environment of a think tank of sustainability. And that is important that the people really are focused on it. Yeah, I think we, we see also that there's a kind of momentum to it, isn't there? And, and, and even if the steps are small, they're still creating that momentum. And uh, I suppose the biggest step we've seen recently is uh, China's announcement uh, a few weeks ago of uh, uh, getting the whole economy to, to zero CO2 or zero net CO2 in 2060. And uh, the, the Chinese government has a meeting uh, this week, of course, which will um, hopefully approve a five-year plan. <clears throat> and then we'll know a little bit more about what that means. Um, but uh, if I focus in on, on one of the topics, um, I think you're absolutely right. Is We're going to see a lot of different technologies make up the solution. It's not one uh, silver bullet, as you said. Um, so we've got, um, we've got technologies like carbon capture and storage, which are probably very expensive for the developing world. And 90% of cement is produced in the developing world. So I think that's a big, big challenge. But there are a lot of other technologies that are perhaps a bit more interesting that involve using uh, CO2 in building materials, uh, synthetic aggregates or uh, absorbing it into concrete and so on. Uh, one of the, uh, again, one of the technologies that you mentioned in Mission Zero was using recycled cement. Uh, and that's not one I've seen uh, a lot on. I wonder if you could just explain what that would involve. Oh, yeah, well, that, that's a huge field of recycled cement. The, um, what you do is actually you can use, um, yeah, um, leftovers of construction sites. You can use a lot of similar material, put solan type of material and bring it back into the process. You bring it then normally later than the, um, yeah, you bring it in the uh, clinker phase into it, but there are, it would now, how to say it, we would not have enough time to go through all the different areas because it targets a lot of different parts in the process, but more important, uh, each material has to be uh, identified and to look into. When we talk here internally about it, um, you know that we are in mining and in cement. Uh, the mining colleagues, they deal with 20, 30 different commodities. And all these commodities have different processes. In cement, what we see in a few years is more or less the same. We will see a cement which is not all built on limestone. We will have 10, 15, 20 different resource materials where we have to provide a technology for to get cement out of it. The same like you have it in mining, because the process to, um, for iron ore or for bauxite or so is completely different. And we will see that in cement too. There will be not one cement process. There will be multiple, 10, 15 different processes. And then coming to um, that uh, uh, used um, cement or what we, uh, with a special word called internally actually garbage cement, what we can reutilize. Of course, 
the uh, um, the question is how much does it cost to to revitalize that material into the process, and that is at the moment a little bit the collection and the cost is uh, so the timing and the cost is quite a challenge, but we have some areas where we uh, geographical areas where we see that as a quite good uh, tertiary resource for producing cement. When other areas, um, we look into what to do with a clay substitute material together with clay, together with leftovers out of the steel industry to make a resource material and at the end then a cement. When you hear that, then you know which kind of a tsunami will hit all the approval agencies to figure out what is the quality of that cement. Can it last? Can we build bridges, houses, and so on with it? So there's a lot of business coming in the future in the cement industry to justify that new way of doing. And we actually believe this is another big change of the sustainability for our industry, which were not the most attractive for young people in the past. We think in five to 10 years, cement will be a very attractive resource industry for young for the young generation to join and to do good for our society. It's a, a very interesting perspective, Thomas, because as I'm sure you know, uh, we've looked at different uh, cement chemistries in the past and they've never got over this hurdle of uh, getting standards approved. Yeah? And, uh, but so your view today is that because of the climate change challenge, then we'll find a way to overcome that and, and uh, approve new, new chemistries. Is that right? Yeah. But the, um, uh, take, take 30 years back, I think, yeah, maybe 20 years back, there was a big debate about oil. There's not enough oil available for the future. You remember that uh, billions of dollars were invested into consultants to, to tell the politicians that they will have a life after 2020 because there is no oil available. Did you hear that in the last five years? I don't think so. So why not? Because um, a big industry, the oil industry, lost, of course, uh, their main marketing argument that they have, uh, how to say, affordable energy available. Now the push is to have green energy. And then the cost is the second part in it. We see cement similar. Cement is not on an own planet. We follow, we follow other industries and other industry trends. I think we will see similar pattern like in the automotive, like in the chemical industry, like in the oil and gas industry. So from that point of view, I'm actually not concerned at all about the cement future. I think it will be in 10 years by far more attractive than it was 10 years ago. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting perspective and one I, I haven't heard before, Thomas. So I'm fascinated by that. It's, um, you know, and it shows you how the people in the cement industry get stuck in, in their silos uh, and are, you know, reluctant to think what the possibilities might be. Because we always, we always say, you know, the world is going to have to use cement. We, we know that cement is needed and concrete is needed to urbanize and to look after seven, eight billion people. Um, but it doesn't have to be OPC. Yeah, I guess that's the point. In the defense of the cement industry, of course, it is a proof that the, that the cement industry responds on the demand because the demand is like that. You can, of course, say, oh, we are all working in that tunnel or silo. But in, in reality, it's the demand side which triggers that. 
And we all know how difficult it is to get a small pilot plant approved legally to operate for a little bit longer than a month to check on to test new material. We all know that. So from that point of view, this is an evolution, not a revolution. It's an evolution what we are in. I think if the demand side change what it will, our cement industry is agile and intelligent enough to find the right answers and maybe being ahead of that, what is demanded. Well, Thomas, on, on that upbeat note, I bring our discussion to a close. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. And uh, I, I uh, look forward to uh, continuing our cooperation in the future. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Nice greetings. Thank you.